Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. There was a contractor that died in a fishing accident uh, on his 40th birthday, and uh, he found himself greeted at the pearly gates by a brass band. St. Peter ran over to him and, and shook up his hand and said, Congratulations! Congratulations for what? The contractor said. Well, congratulations, uh, we're celebrating the fact that you lived to 160 years old. But that's not true, said the contractor. I only lived to 40. Well, that's impossible, said St. Peter. We added up your timesheets. <laughs> of course, that story isn't really true. And lying on one's timesheets might succeed in fooling one's employer, but not God. He's quite able to keep track of all our years. Uh, scripture tells us that he knows the number of our days before we're even born. But I want to talk to you today about two of the Ten Commandments that apparently that contractor broke. The Seventh and Eighth Commandments both forbid deceit. You shall not steal, and you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And these commandments, like all the others that make up the second table of the law, were given to us really for our own good in our relationships with each other, with other people. Um, and good human relationships have to be built on honesty and trust. And when trust breaks down, then hurt and anger and retaliation and chaos follow. And perhaps there's no better illustration of that than what's gone on in this last year, even in our national presidential election process. None of that national political chaos would be taking place if everyone was completely honest and we all trusted each other. But alas, that's not the case in this fallen world in which we live. And in a postmodern society where the concept of truth is not even comprehended by many, it, it, it looks like it's a long way back then to there being civility and trust again. I already read the two commandments uh, from Deuteronomy chapter 5. I'm also going to read from Ephesians 4 as Paul there addresses both the 7th and 8th commandments um, especially in, in relationships with fellow Christians. And I invite you to stand in reverence to God's word as re I read from Ephesians 4. <clears throat> Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such as a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 
Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and, and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Let us pray. Lord, as we delve into these two commandments that both uh, re- relate to deceit and the danger of that, uh, we pray that you would speak to each of our hearts about what we see around us, but also even within our own hearts in this area. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> so the seventh commandment is you shall not steal. To steal is to take from our neighbor even the smallest part of his property against his will. Now this commandment then assumes the concept of private property. One commentator states concerning this then, legal possession and personal ownership of things are permitted implicitly by this commandment, which assumes that stealing is possible, something that would technically not be possible in a completely communal society. There are, of course, no completely communal societies. Ownership of things exists in all families and neighborhoods and entire societies, no matter what their economic organizational structure. But with ownership comes responsibility, and respect for ownership is a responsibility in and of itself." End quote. These days, there, there seems to be a, a real movement in our country toward socialism. Some would even suggest that is the Christian way. However, though there may be some things about that concept of socialism that might be attractive, I don't think anyone really wants what most always comes with it. Higher taxes and government controls in about every area of life, along with less personal initiative to achieve and certainly far less say regarding personal property. The seventh commandment recognizes personal property, and it states, and you shall not steal. And it forbids, then, theft of personal property, and you would say then also theft from businesses and so on as well. And I believe then the question that one needs to ask regarding really any object is simply this. Is it mine, or is it someone else's? And the answer is usually quite clear. If it's not mine, then I have no business taking it. And basically, objects are legitimately mine, I should say, only if I've earned them, or I bought them, or I made them, or I received them as a gift. Taking even the smallest object that belongs to someone else without their permission then is technically stealing it. Unless we're legitimately borrowing it, and then that means that we intend to give it back. This commandment forbids theft. It also forbids fraud, which is wrongful or criminal deception intended to result in financial or personal gain. And the explanation in Luther's Catechism for this commandment says this then, we should fear and love God so that we do not rob our neighbor of his money or property, nor seek to bring them into possession by unfair dealing or fraud. Fraud is using deception, then, to get something that does not legitimately belong to us. I think most all of you are aware there are questions that are being raised about the possibility of there being widespread fraud in our presidential election in the United States. And 
that is the possibility then that, that in the ballot counting process, votes that belonged to one party were deceptively given to another party. And that's what we would call an election fraud. And it's a felony in our country, and it also is clearly breaking the seventh commandment, thou shalt not steal. And concerning that, then, I have to agree with Franklin Graham, who's uh, given us a call to prayer um, the other day. And, and he says this, and I quote, As we wait for the election results to be finalized, we, we need to pray. If there was fraud, let's pray that God would reveal it and that those responsible would be found out. On the other hand, if there was no fraud, pray that God would make that known as well. The American people need to know the truth. Please join me in making this a focus of prayer this weekend, asking God to help us to know the truth. The Seventh Commandment forbids all forms of theft and fraud at a personal level and at all other levels as well. What does the Seventh Commandment command or require of us? It commands that we would, instead of stealing from our neighbor, that we would help our neighbor. Help him to improve and protect his property and living. Recognizing that one's neighbor's personal property is legitimately his, then we're commanded to help him to keep it and even to improve it. And that might involve an offering to help him with a house or yard, yard project or fix his car or things like that. And beyond that, we are further commanded to even be ready to use our own property to assist a neighbor in need. And Ephesians 4 certainly says something of that nature there where it says, He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor. Why? Performing with his own hands what is good so that he'll have something to share with the one who has need. You see, God does not intend the Christian to sit around and just admire his personal possessions um, that he's worked hard to buy and so on, and ignore someone who is lacking the basics in life. No, if God has blessed us with, with more than enough, then, then he wants us to be willing to give some of it away to those that are in need. Or, or maybe bring our tools along and, and help him fix those things that are his. As we think of this commandment, how, how about Jesus in this commandment? Jesus had very little earthly possessions besides his clothes, as far as we can tell. Um, he said about himself that he had nowhere to lay his head, and I take that to mean that he didn't own a home. Um, he had not, not a place to call that. And yet we see in the Gospels, it seems that he uh, found Peter's place to be a headquarters, so to speak, for his ministry in a regular place he went. But he was the Son of God, and he was on a very unique mission, and he did not have... Uh, personal family responsibilities like many of you have. But he never broke the seventh commandment. He did not steal, and he strongly encouraged his followers to give freely from their means to those that were in need. And he encouraged them to store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust didn't destroy and where thieves didn't break in and steal. Let's look at the eighth commandment as well today. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. This one assumes then, well, excuse me, first of all, a definition of this is, is to bear false witness is to speak unkindly or untruthfully about my neighbor in a court of law or in my daily life. And this commandment assumes then the concept of verifiable truth and falsehood. We live in a postmodern age, 
and it is characterized by broad skepticism and relativism. And it results in people being unable to understand or accept the concept of absolute truth regarding spiritual matters or moral standards and so on. And this then has an ever-growing effect also on our personal interaction in society and on public discourse and on the politics of our land. And this commandment, however, assumes the reality of verifiable truth and of falsehood or lies. The Bible also makes clear that really the devil is the father of lies. And ever since the Garden of Eden, then, he has been up to his tricks of proliferating lies and deception. And, you know, lying might be one of the easiest sins for us to commit. Maybe because we keep think we can get away with it uh, without anybody ever knowing. It just slips out so easily sometimes, especially if we desire to cover something up or if we want to make somebody else look bad. But you know, often the truth eventually comes out. One spring day, there were four high school guys. They decided to skip their morning classes and take a quick trip to the lake. After lunch, they showed up at school and they told their fifth-hour English teacher who happened to also be their second-hour creative writing teacher, that they were late because they'd had a flat tire on the way to school. Much to their relief, she smiled forgivingly and and said, well, you missed a quiz this morning, and and so take your seats and get out a piece of paper and and pencil, please. They did so, and and, uh, then the teacher, still smiling, said, first question, which tire was flat? Now the truth came out, and it often does, eventually. So much better not to lie in the first place. Well, this commandment forbids lying. Uh, Luther's Catechism kind of breaks it down to a couple of general settings. The first one they mention is a false testimony, then, in a court of law. In a setting where a personal is required, then, by oath to tell the truth, um, and it's considered perjury, then, if they lie after doing so. However, it seems to me more and more common for folks to put their hand on the Bible and to swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help them God, and then straight out lie anyway. And I think that shows they don't really fear God, or, or perhaps they're so deceived that they don't really even discern truth. False public testimony in general it isn't a whole lot different, really, than false public testimony in a court of law. And and such false testimony seems rampant these days, often coming from the press or from politicians who have a definite agenda. And and then it's perpetuated by common citizens through things like the social media. And and then we who may be all too quick to believe the sound bites and the video clips pass them on without really knowing if the sources are trustworthy. This last week, we've certainly had some examples of this. and There have been various concerns raised in about possible election fraud in the presidential election. And President Trump has had lawyers actively following up on reports of fraud in several key states. And even uh, after coming forward, though, with 234 pages of sworn affidavits given by individuals under penalty of perjury, still there are many of the national news sources that have been stating repeatedly things like, Election officials nationwide find no voter fraud. The claims are all baseless, 
This is the most secure election ever. And the pages of those affidavits are blank. Those statements are not all completely true, are they? And out of desire, though, to shape public opinion early, main news sources have been willing to dismiss any concerns rather than waiting for the truth to get sifted out in a court and verified one way or another on if they are true or not and how widespread it is. It seems like our whole world is in turmoil these days. And there's much deception going on in high places. And there are some who have, I would call, an alarming global agenda even. And before you brand me as a conspiracy theorist, hear me out on something here today. Justin Trudeau is a Prime Minister of Canada. Speaking recently at the United Nations, he said this, and I quote it word for word. He said, this pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. This is our chance to accelerate our pre-pandemic efforts to reimagine economic systems that actually address global challenges like extreme poverty, inequality, and climate change, end quote. He talks about an opportunity for a great reset. There's a book by um, Klaus Schwab with that same name. There's a World Economic Forum planned by the UN for 2021, and an advertisement in it states this, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. This is how our world could change by 2030. There is a global agenda among some, and it is sneaking into our country's politics, and it's very much the agenda of the extreme radical left. And I invite you to check it out for yourself, and I would love it if you can prove me wrong on that. My concern is this, that those who are behind it are out to make it happen without folks in our country really having any say or even knowing what's hit them, and that is deception. False public testimony and breaking of the Eighth Commandment. Enough of things out there that are alarming. We need to look in here as well. And Luther talks about false testimony in our daily life. You know, we might get up in arms about what's happening out there, and yet so easily we give false testimony in our private lives. Do we pass on too quickly information without knowing if it's true or not? Are we sometimes too eager to hear negative things about somebody that we don't like and pass it on without even caring if it's true or not? God has given this commandment partly to protect our reputations and that of our neighbor as well, to guard against slander and defamation. According to Luther's Catechism, besides lying about our neighbor, it's possible to break this commandment even by the telling the truth about him. For instance, in speaking truthfully of our neighbor's faults thoughtlessly or with an intent to harm him. And we all have faults. And we often know each other's faults. But our goal as Christians should be to build each other up rather than to tear each other down. What did the Apostle tell us? In, in Ephesians 4, he said, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, that it would give grace to those who hear. 
And that should be our goal, then, in the face-to-face visits we have with each other, that we would build each other up. And it should even be our goal when we're talking about somebody who isn't in the room. Ephesians 4 tells us, let no bitterness or anger or wrath um, or clamor or slander be put away from you. Um, Let all bitterness, wrath, and slander and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. So I have another question for you from the Catechism. Is it possible to lie by your silence? The Catechism says yes, when it will lead to a misunderstanding. In other words, when you hear someone in a group setting, tearing someone else down and saying things about them that you know not to be true, if you remain silent, you by your silence are agreeing with what was said. And we need to pray for backbone, to stand up to the bullies and the gossips and to speak truth in love. And what was God's goal with this commandment? He commands truthfulness in all things rather than lies, and that we would speak well of our neighbor as far as truth permits. Now that doesn't mean that we go around making up some good things to say about our neighbor that we know aren't even true. But also not to say bad things about them that we don't know to be true, or to say things about them with intent to deliberately bring them harm. Truth is to be told, but we're to desire truth for people's own good. As we think about Jesus in this commandment, Jesus kept this commandment perfectly. He, he never lied. He taught others to tell the truth. He was an example for us in, in this area, in, in what he said, and also in what he didn't say. For instance, concerning the woman that was caught in adultery, he said, him who's without sin, let him cast the first stone. He didn't deny her sin, but he didn't treat her as a worse sinner than others either. And that's a good example for us. And at times we need to tell the truth and we need to call sin, sin. But also then we need to be quick to recognize our own sin and quick to point to forgiveness that's found in Christ, including forgiveness for stealing and bearing false witness against our neighbor. You know, as we think about Jesus, though, there are other times where he was very blunt in telling the truth. And he called religious leaders of his day names, including hypocrites, and whitewashed tombs. For their own sake and for the sake of those who blindly followed them, Jesus confronted their hypocrisy. And I believe we need to be careful not to, not to misrepresent our leaders. But at the same time, we ought not to excuse or believe their verifiable lies. And to do so is to let others be wooed then by their deceptive ways. As we think of what we're dealing with in the world around us these days, the troubling times in which we live, I'm reminded of what it tells us in Luke chapter 21. There it says, There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth distress among nations, with perplexity the sea and the waves roaring. And this part especially seems to fit what we're dealing with these days. Men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of things that are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And now when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. 
As things get worse around us, the eternal hope that we have in Jesus Christ shines all the brighter. We, we follow the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And, and since no one comes to the Father except through him, let's be continually looking to him for discernment and, and pointing others to him for forgiveness of sin and eternal life. And as we reflect on the seventh and eighth commandments today, may we let the Holy Spirit of God convict us where we've transgressed, and work a change within us. I want to ask you a question as we close. These two commandments both have to do with deception. Is it possible to deceive God? I think you know the answer. You know, we can steal from God, um, in Malachi, it talks about that. If we refuse to give back to him out of his generous provision for us. And, and we can lie to God about things in our own lives. But we cannot deceive him. And, and knowing that to be true, then, let's humble ourselves before his all-seeing eyes. Let's admit if we have um, taken something that didn't belong to us, and let's be willing to make restitution for it. Let's admit if we have misspoke and spread negative words about someone with intent to do them harm. Let's admit if we have purposely stretched the truth to make ourselves look good and someone else look bad. And maybe we ask God to work within us honesty and trustworthiness in all things. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word today. And as it speaks to things in our own lives, and convicts us of sin in breaking the seventh and eighth commandments and at times being deceitful. Oh Lord, help us that we would deal with that. And as we're honest with you and admit our sin, we thank you that there is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we think of these commandments, we're reminded that there's deception all around us as well. And Lord, we do pray, even as Franklin Graham encouraged us, concerning that process of sorting out the election. If there is election fraud, Lord, we pray that it would be exposed so that it would be undeniable and that there would be a clear path forward. We pray especially, Lord, that in these challenging times with so much turmoil around us, that you'd bring a revival in our land, that consciences would be restored to what the Ten Commandments tell us, that there would be conviction of sin and there would be turning to Jesus. Uh, We pray in his name. Amen.